there was a time, I went to Rolling Hills for a while, there was a time when I probably stopped going regularly and wasn't going as often as I should. Uh, we met a few years later, remember one of our very first dates, we started talking about church. And I said, yeah, I was going to this church, it was in a theater, and Danielle said, well, I was going to a church in a theater. And then we kind of, we, we realized that we were both talking about Rolling Hills. We kind of were talking nonchalantly and said, yeah, we should start, we should go back sometime. And it was kind of one of those times where you're like, all right, you know, we, we get it. Um, and we went back a week or two later and I don't, we never really looked back. We've been going ever since. You know, the warehouse was, it really was a big answer prayer. Even when it first started, I remember them identifying the warehouse and seeing blueprints and here's what it could be, but right now it's just an empty warehouse. So, so coming here, it really was an answered prayer and it was nice to see, uh, kind of see God work in that way. And it wasn't until we got into community groups we started really getting involved in meeting people and forming relationships. And for, for me, at least, that's when the warehouse and the church really started to to kind of take life is when we got into community and started meeting people and you came and you had friends and what we think of as family here. When we were given the opportunity to be a part of that launch team, we didn't really think about it that much. We were all in um, and we, I mean, we just knew it was something we wanted to be a part of because that was, that, that was a feeling I think that we both really enjoyed. That, that, you know, that small, intimate feeling um, where everyone's coming together and chipping in and doing a job. And that's, that's certainly what South Nashville was, or, or even Nolensville is now. I think one thing this journey has taught us is it's not about the facility. It's not about the place or the structure. It's about the people. It's about, are you loving Jesus and are you loving others well? And to me, that's what Rolling Hills is all about. That's what I want the next generation to do is just to love others well. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I'm so excited about today. We're in the middle of an incredible series called Rooted, and we're talking about being rooted in Christ and growing deeper in our faith individually and then as a church together. Now, this is our 15th year as a church, and so we're kind of celebrating that anniversary, and God's brought people from all over the country and brought us here for a time such as this, and we're locking arms and serving our God together, and it's so exciting to see what God is doing. Now, we've said this, that anniversaries are a great opportunity to do three things. One, to remember, right, to look back. And so if you have a wedding anniversary coming up this year, to, to take the time to watch the wedding video or to eat some cake or to go to a favorite restaurant, but to think back to those feelings, right? Marriage counselors always say, you know, uh, later on, they always say, hey, go back and remember what it was like when you first fell in love. Remember those feelings and do what you did then. You know, that keeps that spark going. And so anniversaries are a great time to remember. Anniversaries are a great time to evaluate. Secondly, to evaluate, you know, to kind of say, hey, is this where I should be? You know, when you have a work anniversary and you go, hey, I've been at this job for a year or five years or 10 years or 15 years, is this where I need to be? Or does God have something else for me? So many times we can just drift along through life instead of saying, hey, I need to evaluate and be honest and be authentic. And then the third thing anniversaries do is they allow you to look forward. They allow you to look forward, hey, what's next? What's God gonna do next? And so I'm so excited about 15 years and to celebrate that, but I'm excited about the next 15. 
I can't wait to see what our God is going to do and that we get to be on this journey together, which is so awesome. Now, we've talked about this the first week in this series. We said in Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing to a church plant there in Ephesus says, hey, you guys remember you are rooted and established in love. And as a church, we are rooted and established in love, right? That's the distinguishing mark of the church. See, the church is not a building, right? We've met in an apartment clubhouse. We had 15 people for a Bible study on Thursday nights in an apartment clubhouse, and it was still church, right? We, we met in a, in a hotel ballroom. We met in a movie theater. You know, we meet in a warehouse. We've got multiple campuses, but the church is the body united in Christ and in love, and that's what we are. At Rolling Hills, we say this, the building's not the vision. The vision's the vision, and the vision of Rolling Hills Community Church is this, a people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. A people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. And so as a people of God, we are united in love. God is love. Jesus said this. He said the most important commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. Everything comes back to that love that we have. Jesus told his disciples, he goes, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So the way we love each other, the way we love God, the way we love others radiates to a world. This is church. We are a people of God. And then last week we talked about this. We're people of God reaching out. The church is not a country club, okay? It's not just we show up and everybody kind of serves us and it's all about, you know, everybody serving us. No, no, no. The church is the vehicle by which God accomplishes his work in the world. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you always, even at the very end of the age. And so for us, we reach out. And that's the church. The church mobilized, becomes the hands and feet of Christ to make a difference in our community, to make a difference in our world. We do that individually, right? We invite people to church. We pray together. We plant seeds of the gospel. We do missions and serve in our community. We do that as a body. You know, coming up in a couple weekends, we have the Father's Sun Bowl, which is a great opportunity for us to, to reach out to our community, to invite people to play, for us to volunteer. Everybody kind of take a spot, volunteer, give back. We have the Daddy-Daughter Ball coming up. You know, it's, I love it. It's my girl's highlight, man. We have a highlight. We, you know, I, I get dressed up. I leave the house. I get flowers. I come back, and they're all dressed. And ring the doorbell, and I take them. We go to dinner. It's awesome. And it's a great thing to invite, you know, coworkers and other people to come. Easter's coming up. It's a great way for us to reach out. And then today we're talking about this, growing up. Growing up. You know, our heartbeat here at Rolling Hills is this, is that we would raise up fully mature disciples. That we would reach our full potential in Christ. God's not finished with any of us yet. Just know that. And God has you here for a reason and for a purpose, and that's for us to grow up in Him. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 John. 1 John. Now, 1 John's kind of toward the back of the Bible. You have 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then Jude and Revelation. So kind of toward the back there, I'd love for you to kind of grab the scriptures. Maybe you have a mobile device, you can access the scripture online. We're going to put the scripture on the screen. But I'd love for you to kind of dial in with us here today. If you're taking notes, uh, you can do that as well. There's a note page inside the worship guide. But John the Apostle is the one who wrote 1st John. Okay, and so John spent three years with Jesus, right? I mean, he followed Jesus. Now, 
when John, John knows a lot about spiritual growth. Because when Jesus called him, I mean, John was, you know, good Jewish kid. He grew up going to church or synagogue back then. And, and I mean, he, he kind of knew it. But, but he's off doing a fishing business. He's a business guy. He's, he's kind of doing his thing. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, John, come follow me. Come on. You know, I, I got plans for you. I want to use you. I, wanna, I want you to make a difference in your day and in your generation. And, and John starts following Jesus. John and his brother James. But, but John, man, he, he was kind of a hothead. I mean, this guy, him and his brother were called Sons of Thunder, okay? I mean, this dude was like, you know, I mean, he kind of, he's kind of like, you know, had some issues he had to deal with. You know, like, in fact, one time they're in Samaria, and, and the people in the village weren't, like, receiving Jesus real well. And, and John's like, hey, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven and just, like, take this village out? Jesus is like, really? I mean, <laughs> I'm love. Remember, love all people, you know? And John's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So by the time he writes 1 John, okay, like he's old. I mean, you're talking 100 years old. And, and he's writing, and it's all about love. He's writing about love. And he's like, hey, this is how you should be. This is how you should be. But he gives us this little nugget right here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, that really talks about spiritual growth. And so we want to dial into that today. So pick up here, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. He says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you've known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now what I want you to see is this. There are really three stages of spiritual growth. Three stages of spiritual growth. As you're reading through there, he talks about spiritual children. He talks about spiritual young men or young women. And he talks about spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers. And, and so you see these three stages of spiritual growth. Now the first one he says is this. Spiritual children know their father. Okay, notice this in verse 12. He says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. But then you come down to verse 13, he says, I write to you, dear children, because you've known the Father. All right, spiritual children are awesome, right? Every one of us, regardless of where we are, at one point we were a spiritual child. And it's so important in church to have spiritual children. They bring the energy and the life. Now they don't know a whole lot, right? And maybe you're a spiritual child, maybe you've just accepted Christ recently, or maybe you're kind of getting back into church, you grew up kind of going a little bit, and somebody's invited you and checking it out. You know, it's okay. It's great. In fact, spiritual children, they may not know every book of the Bible. They may not know a lot of theology or doctrine or ecclesiology. They, they just know this. They know their father. <laughs> they go, I can't explain it, but I, I know this, like my life is out of control. I mean, like, I mean, I was sinning. I was doing all kinds of things. I mean, it was just crazy. And then God came in and redeemed me. And he restored me. And I know my sins are forgiven. I know he is with me. I know he is for me. I was talking to a lady the other day. And she's like, man, my friend's been coming to church. And I'm telling you, Pastor Jeff, her life was crazy. I mean, you know, just the things, that it was just out of control. And, and then I've just seen a change. I mean, she's coming to know Christ, and it's amazing. And she'll tell you, she just lights up talking about it. And I'm like, I love that. I love that. You know, I mean, they just know their father. I remember when my girls were, were little, they didn't understand, like, how thunder works, right, and lightning and rain, and that kind of comes together. They just knew when it thundered really loud, they would just run pitter-pat down the hall, and they would just like, Daddy, you know, <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> it's just like, pick me up and hold me, you know. And, and I'm like, yes. Yes. 
I got you. I got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And spiritual children, they don't know. Hey, you're going to go through some trials. That's how your faith grows. You're going to go through some challenges or difficulties. They just know, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. And I love that. And I think that we all need to continue to keep, even as we grow up, to keep that childlike faith, right? God's got this. My dad is sovereign, okay? My, my dad is in control. I'm going to hang on to him. So they're spiritual children. But then you begin to mature, right? And spiritual young men are strong, know the word, and resist the evil one. Notice that in Scripture, right? John writes, and he says, I write to you, young men, at the end of verse 14, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you've overcome the evil one. So at some point, you continue to mature. And young men or young women, they're strong, right? I mean, they come to church. It's important. They're consistent. They're just like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of past that. You know, I'm growing up in my faith. I'm maturing my faith. I want to be there. I want to serve. I love spiritual young men or young women. They're just like, put me in, coach. Whatever. You know, I'll set up. I'll tear down. I don't care. You know, I'm just like... Yes, I'll volunteer, I'll help out. They just love it. I love that they know the word. You know, they, they don't have it all figured out or anything like that, but, but they're starting to know the word. They're starting to get it, like Old Testament, New Testament. They're starting to get like, oh, okay, this was written by Paul. This was written to this. This is that disciple. They're, they're starting to understand that. And then they resist the evil one. Now, does that mean they don't sin? No. It just means they don't do the same things they used to do, Right? They may make mistakes, but they're like, okay, when I was in college, whoo, out of control. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not that way anymore. There's a difference. There's a maturity. There's a growth. I messed up. I'm saying some things I shouldn't have done. But I'm moving past that. I'm growing up in my faith. I'm growing up in the Lord. But there's a third stage. The third stage is this. Spiritual fathers. And spiritual fathers have walked with God for a long time and have led others to him. Spiritual fathers have walked with God for a long time. I love as John writes this, he just says, I write to you fathers, right, verse 13, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And spiritual fathers, man, they're, they're the wisdom, right? They've been walking with the Lord. They, they've kind of got that experience. They've been through trials. They've been through challenges. They're faithful. They're just there. They're the backbone, right? And, and I love that they've walked with God for a long time and they lead others to him. You see, what's inerrant in being a father or a mother is this, is that you have spiritual children, right? You know, at some point they've led somebody to Christ. Maybe it's their own kids or maybe somebody in their family. At some point they started to pour into and teach community groups or teach children or students or be a Titus II mom. At some point they start to give back and they're pouring in to others. And it's a part of that growth process. It's a part of that maturity. Now, now I want you to see this. Spiritual growth does not directly correspond to physical age. Okay, sometimes we think, well, they're old, you know, so, so they've got to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Not necessarily. You could be, you could be a 34-year-old spiritual child. You know, somebody invited you to church, you came, you heard the gospel, and you said, man, I, I need Jesus. You got down by your, on your knees by your bed, and you prayed and said, hey, God, forgive me my sins, redeem me, restore me. And you're just starting the journey. Praise God. You could be a 34-year-old spiritual young man or young woman. You may be coming to church, and now you're just starting to kind of get involved, and you're learning, and you're growing, and you're serving, and you're saying, hey, put me in. Let me serve in some way. You could be a 34-year-old spiritual father or mother. I mean, you've been walking with Jesus, some of you, for 20 years, right? You know, like I accepted Christ in middle school, and I've been walking with Jesus. I've 
led people to Christ. So it doesn't necessarily correspond to physical age. But here's what we do know is this, is that like physical growth, we're all called to maturity. We're all called. So how do we grow spiritually? How do we grow spiritually? I want you to see this. Like physical growth, spiritual growth happens with two things, diet and exercise, okay? Diet and exercise. The first one is diet. Look, stay with me right here in 1 John. Kind of put your finger there, put a little piece of paper there because we're going to come back to it in just a second. But go over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, Peter was another one of Jesus' disciples. And like he's writing later on, he's kind of like, okay, I'm getting this. You know, I'm growing up in my faith. But he says, 1 Peter chapter 2, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. You know what he says? He said, you know, just physical growth, right? If you want to get healthy physically, there's some things you probably have to get out of your diet, okay? I mean, you can't have ice cream every day. I mean, as much as you want to, as much as I want to, I love ice cream, I love it, but I, I can't have it every day, right? It's not good for my physical growth. There's some things spiritually you got to start to get rid of, right? But it goes into your mind and into your heart, and he says, hey, rid yourselves of things like malice, kind of ill intention toward people, you know, wanting, you know, to be first and everybody else to kind of fall by the wayside. We fall into this comparison trap all the time or deceit or hypocrisy. You're one way at work and you're a different way at home or you're a different way at church. Come on, you pass that. Envy, right? You want all this stuff or, or slander, you know, you're tearing down people. Did you notice, look at these, all of these are community destroying sins. Notice that. And he's like, just get that out of your system. You're a part of a body. You're united to Christ. You be loving. And then look at verse two. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. I love that word crave. I mean, this is like go after the word of God. You know, crave it. I mean, want to learn about it. Want to grow deeper in your faith. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you've got a little taste of God, you're just like, come on, don't you want more? Don't you want more? I mean, he is God. Now here's the thing, here's the thing, right? Spiritual children have to be fed. Spiritual children have to be fed. It's so true. I mean, you know, come to know Christ, you're just getting back in church. It's so important that you're here and you're hearing the word and you're, you're learning, you're, you know, you're in a community group where people are pouring into you, you're finding a, a small group Bible study. You've gotta be fed. Right? I remember, you know, when your girls were little, right? My daughters, and I remember sitting on the couch, you know, feeding a bottle like at night. And just like, oh, I can't wait till one day, you know, I'm not up in the middle of the night. But then you get up to a high chair, you're doing the airplane, right? You know, you're coming in, you know. And now that one of them is 13, I mean, I don't do that anymore. I'm like, okay, you go to the pantry, right? You know, some point, right, you grow up. And that's spiritual young men or young women. They've learned to feed themselves, Spiritual young men or young women, are, they're saying, hey, it's important to be at church. It's important to hear the word of God. But you know what? I can read this on my own too. There's this Rolling Hills app and it has a daily step. And I can every morning start to wake up and, and get into the word. And maybe it's just reading a chapter a day or praying. But, but I'm starting to feed myself. I don't want to go seven days without eating. I want to, I want to start to feed and learn how to have the word of God. And then, and then, and then, look, spiritual fathers, what? They're investing their lives in feeding others, right? They're investing, they're like, okay, I've learned this, and so I want to give back. 
Now, spiritual young men and, and, and spiritual fathers and mothers, I mean, they still need to be fed. I mean, you still go to restaurants, right? You still go out to eat. You still, you got to have that coming in. But spiritual fathers and mothers are starting to say, okay, how can I invest in my kids or my grandkids? How can I invest in children at church or leading community groups or discipling younger women or having a one-on-one mentorship? How can I start to pour in to others? See that? Okay, so it's around diet, but secondly, look at this. Like physical growth, spiritual growth happens with exercise. It happens by putting it in to practice. So go back to 1 John. 1 John, if you keep going there, 1 John chapter 2, and we left off in verse 14. So come to verse 15. John says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now what he's talking about is the worldly system, right? I mean, we have a evil one out there that doesn't want us to succeed, doesn't want us to follow God. And, and that's that worldly system. We can fall into that trap. We can run after the things of the world. But he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? If anyone loves the world, like your passion is just running after the things of the world, you got to really check your heart. You know, you can't live both. You, you got to make a decision. Does it mean you're going to mess up sometimes? Yeah, we're all going to mess up. But, but what's the pursuit? What's the desire of your heart? Is it the things of God or is it the things of the world? And then verse 16, he says, for everything in the world. And he starts to give some characteristics. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. So, so think about these things, right? He said, the cravings of sinful man. What is that? It's materialism, isn't it? I got to have more. I got to have more. I got want more stuff and more things and more and more and more. Now, God wants us to enjoy things, but he doesn't want that to define us. The cravings of simple man, all the materialism is never enough, never enough, right? Then the lust of his eyes. I don't know if I have to give a lot of descriptions there, right? I mean, we, we all know, I mean, there's those struggles that we have. But, but lust, think about this. Lust means I must have it now. Love is patient. Love is willing to wait. Love is kind. Lust is what can you do for me? Love is what can I do for you? That impacts marriage right there, you know. The lust of his eyes and then the boasting of what he has and does. You know what that is? That's pride. That's arrogance, isn't it? It's pride. That's arrogance. And, and what's, what's so powerful is knowledge in the world makes you puffed up, makes you arrogant. But when you grow deeper in Christ, you become more loving and more humble. You want to put others before yourself. And then he comes to verse 17. He says, the world and its desires pass away. And it's so true, isn't it? But the man who does the will of God lives forever. The man who does it, the man who puts it into practice, the man who lives it. The world and its desires, I mean, you can have the biggest house on the block. You can have the nicest car. At some point, it's going to pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. There's things that impact eternity. There's a major league baseball player named Howard Johnson, and he, he used to have 1 John 2, 17 put on every one of his bats. He just said, man, I want to remember that. I want to remember that every time the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. When you came in this morning, hopefully you received one of these. It's a trail guide. This is our spiritual discipleship plan as a church. Okay, and I just want you to kind of look at this. Nick Allen, our discipleship pastor, put this together. And, and, and I want to tell you, we want to help all of us reach our full potential in Christ. 
And so this is one of those ways that we kind of help each other do that. And if you look over here on the first panel, it gives you the Great Commission where Jesus said, go and make disciples. And then we define it about halfway down. It says a disciple is a growing follower of Jesus Christ who is taking intentional steps toward Christ's likeness and investing in others to do the same. Taking intentional steps toward Christ's likeness. You know, Jesus' goal for your life is that you are conformed to the image that he left us, right? God says, I want you to be conformed to the image of my son, Jesus, so that we are looking more like Christ. So we kind of lay it out as a trail, right? Rolling hills, trail, we kind of lay it out like that. There's four markers. The first marker is this. The first marker is to identify with Christ. And the first marker is to identify with Christ. Now at some point, right, there comes a time when you yourself have to make a decision. As God is drawing you to himself, as God is inviting you into this relationship with him, you have to surrender your heart and your life to Christ. And, and I love that because every one of us, right, I'm so glad you're at church, but there comes a point where every one of us, we get on our knees and say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins. Redeem me and restore me. I identify with Christ. Now, I'm glad you're at church, but being at church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't. Any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car, okay? I mean, it's great to have a garage, but, but that's not what makes you a car. What makes you a Christian is that you've committed your life to Christ. You've become a disciple. So identify with Christ. Now, we talk about this with believers' baptism. I love that we're celebrating baptism almost every week here at church. I mean, people taking that step of obedience. And salvation follows repentance. The Bible says repent and be baptized. And so when you've committed your life to Christ, then the next step is to be baptized. And it's a beautiful picture. You're dying to your old way of life and being raised to walk in a new life. It's just what Jesus has done for us. The second part of that is church partnership. And, and some people have been coming to church for a long time and, and God's saying, hey, it's time to lock arms with other believers. It's time to step in. We have an online partnership class now. You can go online and check that out. We have partnership classes about every other week on Sunday mornings. You can come and hear more about that. The second marker is this. It's to grow in your faith. To grow in your faith. Just what we were talking about. As you mature from a spiritual child to a young man or young woman to a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. And you do that, you look down here, by community. We talk about community groups. Now, I'm in a community group, and I love it. In fact, you know, Lisa and I have been a part of a community group, you know, every year here at Rolling Hills. So for 15 years, we've been a part of a community group. And some of my best friends have come out of our community groups. I just love them. And you're sharing life together, right? You're in community together. And then spiritual disciplines, that you're learning to pray, you're learning to read the word. And then we have this Rolling Hills Trail, which talks about men's groups or women's groups or mom to mom or different ways to be involved. I'm in a men's group with some other guys in our church. And I'll tell you, it's awesome. I mean, it's iron sharpens iron. Man, I love these men and just strengthening each other and kind of holding each other accountable. That's important. And then marker number three, marker number three, share the mission. Share the mission. Okay? So you look at this and you start to go, okay, now I'm starting to give back. Now I'm maturing, right? Generous giving. And we talk about that, you know, God calls us to give our first 10% back to him, our tithe, our offering back to him. And we go, God, everything I have comes from you. And you only ask for 10%, that's a pretty good deal, right? I mean, God, everything I have, you know, and so for me to trust him in that sacrificial service that I begin to serve. We talk about worship one, come to worship one hour, serve one hour, a way to give back. Everybody has spiritual gifts, using your gifts 
to further God's kingdom. And then the fourth marker, the fourth marker is this. Multiply your life. Multiply your life. Hey, this is where you start to lead community groups. This is where you start to, you know, get involved in making a difference at the PATH Project or some way in our community. Or you're leading a men's group or a women's group. Or you're leading a mom-to-mom or A6 or somehow that you are giving back. This is where you go on a mission trip. And some of you, I just want to encourage you to, maybe God's calling you to go on a mission trip. We have mission trips coming up, you know, in South Africa in February. In April, we're going back to the Amazon. In the summer, we're going to Moldova. I mean, your life is changed and transformed when you get involved and you begin to give back. So this is a great way to help you grow. Now, the last panel, I love this. It says, many confuse discipleship with knowledge. And that's certainly part of it. But learning alone is incomplete. Discipleship is about applying what we learn. It's about knowledge of God transforming lives. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And how do we grow? Through the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through community. See, look at this last one. Spiritual growth takes place in community. Now don't miss this today. Spiritual growth takes place in community. Jesus called 12 disciples. He didn't just do one-on-one and like, hey, I'm just going to go over. That's important. But he took 12. Why? Because he knew that. He knew John was going to encourage Peter and Peter was going to learn from Matthew and Matthew was going to encourage you. That was how it worked. Discipleship takes place in community. There's some people that go, well, you know, I really want to be a follower of Jesus, but I don't know if I need the church. I'm like, really? That's like saying, well, I want to be a football player, but I really don't need a team. Doesn't work, right? I want to be a soldier, but I really don't need an army. Good luck, okay? You're going to get annihilated. I mean, it doesn't work. This is the way God ordained it. And I love that because we're better together. We really are. And we encourage one another. We hold one another up. We strengthen one another. And together, listen, we raise up the next generation. I mean, I love seeing those kids up here singing. And I think about the hundreds of preschoolers and children and students who they come and they see community and they have people who are pouring into them and teaching them, but they're also seeing friends and they're saying, hey, I can live this way. I don't have to live the way of the world. There's other people who are living for the glory of God. And we invest a ton here at Rolling Hills in preschool and children and students and for God's glory and for future generations. And it's important. We were created to be together. And then we get to see God do what only God can do. Uh, last spring break, so a year ago spring break, we, we took our family to go on a trip. And my wife, Lisa, has always wanted to see the Redwoods. And, and so, like, you know, we saved our Southwest points, and, and we, we got out, we flew out to California to go see the Redwoods. And uh, I got to tell you, we were there for a couple of days, and some of you have moved here from California, or you've seen the Redwoods, but they are incredible. I mean, you know, it, it, you just see God's creation, and you go, wow, I'm so small. You know, you're looking at these trees. There's one redwood tree that's 379 feet tall, okay? I mean, that is a big tree, like, like bigger than the Statue of Liberty kind of tree. I mean, massive. Then there's the General Sherman tree. This tree is, it's only 275 feet tall, okay? It's a little shorty, but 25 feet around, 25 feet around, right? You've seen pictures of people driving, you know, cars through these other trees. I mean, massive. Now, this General Sherman tree, 2,500 years old. 2,500 years old. Okay, think about that. Jesus was walking on the earth when this was like a little tree. I mean, how crazy is that? And you're thinking, how do these trees survive? 
I mean, 2,500 years, how do you survive? Because they have been through storms, strong winds, earthquakes, California, right? Fires. How do these trees survive? You know how it is? The roots. The roots. Here's the thing about redwoods. Their roots go about 6 to 12 feet deep, but they interlock with all the other redwood roots. They intertwine together. They grow close together, and they hold each other up when the storms come. Isn't that incredible? I mean, if we're to reach our full potential in Christ, we need each other. Because there's storms that are going to come in our lives, right? There's challenges in our marriage. There's challenges in work. There's challenges with our kids. There's challenges in life. And we need each other. And we hold each other by the roots. Here's the thing about the redwood roots. You know what? They get nutrients from one another. They get nutrients in their roots from other trees. That's how they grow so big and so strong. And they stand tall for years. Guys, that's our call. Uh, this past week, I... Uh, was down in Atlanta for some, some meetings with some things. And I had the opportunity to have dinner with a guy named Dan Cathy. And there was a small group of us. And I don't know if you know Dan Cathy. Dan Cathy, who is the CEO of Chick-fil-A. And so there was a few of us. We were there at dinner. And, and, uh, and we asked Dan about his dad, Truett Cathy, who started Chick-fil-A. And I got to tell you, Dan lit up like a Christmas tree. Here's Dan, 64 years old, and he starts talking about his dad. And he's like, hey, guys, my dad was incredible. I got to tell you, my, my dad loved the Lord. My dad was, he just, he was so excited about his dad. And I was like, I hope my girls could say that one day. I hope my kids can go, man, I was so proud of my dad. He started talking about his dad. And he said, you know, you know my dad made that decision that Chick-fil-A was going to be closed on Sunday. And he said, I can remember through the years, everybody coming to us and saying, come on. I remember one guy saying, Hey, you're, you're missing out on $500 million by being closed that one day a week. And my dad said, I don't care. My dad said, you know what? The Bible says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I want to go to church. I want my employees to be able to go to church. I want them to have growing families. God's going to take care of us. Do you know Truett Cathy taught Sunday school in his church for 50 years for 50 years, he taught seventh grade boys. Now, I don't know if there's a more challenging group to teach, right? <laughs> I mean, like seventh grade boys. But for 50 years, he taught seventh grade boys. And if anybody had an excuse, it would be like, true, Kathy, like, I'm really busy. I got to take the corporate jet, wherever. Yeah, I, I've got restaurants. All... But no, for 50 years, he said, no, this is going to be important to me. I, I'm going to invest here. I'm going to grow deep roots. I'm going to be passionate about this. And I'm listening to this guy talk about his dad. And I'm like, wow. You know what Truett Cathy died? He was worth $6.3 billion. That's with a B, by the way. <laughs> Billion dollars. And to hear Dan talk about it, it didn't matter to him at all. You know what mattered to him? What mattered to him was the, <laughs> that the Chick-fil-A Foundation started group homes for foster kids. It started doing adoptions. What mattered to him is the that they have wind-shaped camps all over in different cities and communities. It, it true, even in his old age, he would in the summer go to those camps just to see kids coming to know Christ and seeing lives change. That's the stuff that mattered to him. You know, you can kind of define his life with these four C's, right? Christ and children and church and chicken. I mean, you know, for him, right? But <laughs> I mean, for us, right? And for us, it's like, it's like Christ and 
church and children and career, whatever that is, that career that God's placed you in. But man, would you be faithful? Would you invest in the things that matter? Would you grow deep roots in Christ? Would you intertwine with other believers so you could be strong in the Lord? And would you plant seeds of the gospel that will impact generations? Guys, we get one chance. We get one opportunity at this life. Don't miss it. Don't get distracted with the things of this world. Don't run after the things of this world, like money and success and all that stuff. All that stuff is gonna go. Invest your life in what matters. Invest your life in a way that one day your kids or your nieces or your nephews or your grandkids go, let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about my mom. Let me tell you about my grandmother. She was a prayer warrior. Wow, man. I tell you, my dad served at church. I he was just faithful. I'm so proud so proud of him. I'm so proud. I'm his child. There's a Greek proverb, and this Greek proverb says this. It says, great societies are built when old men plant trees whose shade they will never sit in. When old men plant trees whose shade they will never sit in. What difference are you making for the glory of God? What are your kids or your grandkids going to say about you one day? What are they going to say was important to you? Were you invested? What defined your life? Where are you spiritually? Let me just ask that. Maybe you're here today and you're a spiritual child. Praise God. I mean, that's fun. But learn and grow. Maybe you're here today. You've never yielded your life to Christ and God's drawn you to himself. You know that. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit who's speaking to you today. Say yes to the Lord. Maybe you're a young man or a young woman. Hey, jump in, serve, grow deeper in the word. Maybe you're here today and you're a spiritual father or mother. And man, just continue to plant seeds. Raise up generations. What next step is God calling you to take? Maybe it's to be baptized or to be in a community group or to go on a mission trip. I don't know. But keep growing Keep going forward. God's not finished with you. Grow deep in Christ. Intertwine your life with others. Plant seeds that are going to impact generations. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Just for a moment. Right where you are. Where are you today? I'm going to invite our worship team to come and we're going to have a time of response. Right where you sit, we... Would you just be honest with God? Here's where I am. Maybe you can kind of look at your life and say, I feel like I'm falling more in love with the world than I am with God. Or maybe today you just say, God, these are the things I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I want to grow deeper with you. God, these are the things I want my kids or my grandkids or others to say about me. I want you to define me, Father. God, today I'm yours. Holy, completely yours. So, Father, here we are, your disciples. God, speak to us right now. We want to hear from you.